a lot of college students really don't want to have help. And I was of the mindset, well, why would I want to do this the difficult way? So I remember at Indiana University, my first semester, sophomore year, I had the highest tutoring bill on campus. I said, out of 35,000 people, I'm like, why do this the hard way? And I remember I had a calculus teacher that was, I just sit there, she would confuse the hell out of me, but I had to go to class because there was pop quizzes. So I literally would be with my tutor just before the class and I would go in and just try to pay attention to anything else, not to listen to or get confused. And so that reaching out for help and actually saying, okay, if I'm going to take a class, what is it I need to take from this class? Not the entire class. Like, what is it they're trying to teach me? And what is it I have to learn to be efficient with my time? So more than you asked for, but it was, that's kind of how evolved and how I was able to figure things out was just to depart from what everybody told me to do and just figure out what worked for me. Welcome to Successful with ADHD. I'm Brooke Schnittman. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Successful with ADHD. Today, I have a good friend and colleague, Jeff Copper. Jeff is an attention coach, an expert on attention issues. I'm sure you guys have seen his or listened to his Attention Talk radio and Attention Talk video. He coaches individuals and entrepreneurs with ADHD and symptoms who are seeking to improve their personal and business results. And I've had the pleasure to be on his podcast. And um, now I get to interview him today. And also, Jeff, you didn't share, but you got a Lifetime Achievement Award at the International ADHD Conference too, right? Yep, I did. It was a was great honor. I was actually floored, shocked by it all, but it was. I'm so grateful. Yeah, well, very deserving of you. So, Thank you. Tell us, so you have ADHD and dyslexia. So tell us what finally convinced you to get that diagnosis. It's interesting because I was diagnosed with dyslexia at age nine. It's been just a, a big challenge in my life. And then it's funny because I didn't really actually seek a diagnosis for the ADHD. It's, I just kind of stumbled into it by accident, like 30 years later in like late 1997 or so. It was actually kind of fascinating because I stumbled into it by accident. got diagnosed. I was getting my MBA at the time. I started trying to take in some medications and it was like, wow, th this is <clears throat> grades shot up after that. It was a little bit of a shock. And so it, it, it was a kind of a happenstance. I was high functioning. I got into the world and I was successful at the time at what I was doing. Of course, how I was successful is because I just did it my, all my way, which is a whole nother story we can talk about. But that's kind of how it all happened. So again, the, the dyslexia was early. The ADHD was really kind of an accident. Interesting. So what type of medication did you take for, you said things started getting better for you when you were taking the medication? I was taking Adderall for about six or seven years, um, okay. just fast acting twice a day. And most of the times I would take it in the mornings and I wouldn't even take it in the afternoon. I just really only needed it if I was going to do some writing or reading that was pretty intense. The rest of my job and stuff like that, I'm just interacting and talking. I'm able to kind of get by without it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the reading and the writing, of course, with the dyslexia definitely impacted your learning. And yes. then you add the ADHD to the mix. So are you taking any stimulant medications today? Every once in a while, like if I've got some, so like a, I'm working on presentation for the conference coming up in Baltimore, right? On, on Fridays is like my project day. I will probably have some that day because I got to sit down and kind of focus, but kind of day in and day out, I just, I, I don't use it a lot. I just really would need it. 
so you've you were lucky to be able to be smart enough to and also to figure out ways to cope when you were younger. Yes. It sounds like your journey with dyslexia and ADHD um, wasn't as challenging because you were able to figure it out. Well, let's let's the the story goes when I was in middle school and high school, like every summer, like I was always having tutors, like I would sitting down, go with them. And it was really, really frustrating because I'll never forget this one individual. They had this like upside down L ruler and they were, they were going through this and they would say, you know, say this letter, that letter, and I'll read the word and I couldn't do it. And they were getting frustrated me, with me. Like, why was it this working? And I was like, I don't know why it's not working. <laughs> You're just frustrated. Got kind of just upset me. So I got through high school with a bare minimum. It really wasn't college prep. I couldn't handle chemistry. I couldn't handle English, much less another foreign language. So I was fortunate enough. I was a scholarship athlete, which is what kind of got me to school. Once I got to school, thankfully, I had unlimited tutoring. But the, the real story is there was nobody around at that point in time. And I will never forget the first semester of college, I was taking sociology of sport. And basically, they were teaching us sociology through the sport of soccer. But the reading was, oh my God, it was overwhelming. And I just remember sitting there trying to read just in tears because I'm like, there's no way I can read all this stuff. And I was like, okay, there was a, like a come to Jesus, like 10 days after school started, like, I got to figure this out. I, I got to find a way to survive. And so on my own, I just started reading the first sentence of each paragraph of the books. And most social books, they're all run on sentences. That wasn't doing it. So I just read the first line of each paragraph and I would go through it and I would sit and went to class all the time and took notes. And I was able to eke out like a, I think an A minus in the class by just wow. really paying attention. So I was doing that. The other interesting thing about that class is we had to do a research paper. And because it was sociology of sport and I was an athlete, I was like overwhelmed because going to the library and doing all this research is a challenge because now understand dyslexia, it's a coding issue. It's like when I look at a B, I'll retrieve a D. So if I'm reading a sentence and it says, boy, I'll read doy. And you get to the end of it and it doesn't make any sense. Then you throw the ADD on top of it. So I spend a lot of time coding and encoding to reading, which is really effortful. So it dawned on me is that I could go interview subject matter experts and quote them in my research paper, thereby bypassing the need to go to the library. So that's actually what I did. I went and interviewed a bunch of soccer coaches and, and people in the athletic department and I was like, wait a second, this is actually really pretty cool because I had good ideas, but I was able to take those quotes and bypass. And so those two situations kind of forever changed my life because I, I said, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it, but this is how I actually do it. And again, I got through that class and I got through college and then that kind of has bled into my life ever since. When I got into this business back in 2007, Everybody said, you know, you got to write a book or you got to write a blog to make a name for yourself. And I'm like, oh, God, you have oh, no idea. Sounds dreadful, right? With dyslexia. So I started my podcast at the time to make a name for myself and kind of get out there. Little did I know I was going to get you know, education from the foremost experts of the world that has really paid off in spades since that time. But that, that journey and trying to figure things out back when I was a freshman on my own, again, was, was, was a big deal. The other thing, too. A lot of college students really don't want to have help. And I was of the mindset, well, why would I want to do this the difficult way? So I remember at Indiana University, my first semester, sophomore year, I had the highest tutoring bill on campus. I said, out of 35,000 people. I'm like, why do this the hard way? And I remember I had a 
calculus teacher that was, I just sit there, she would confuse the hell out of me, but I had to go to class because there was pop quizzes. So I literally would be with my tutor just before the class and I would go in and just try to pay attention to anything else, not to listen to or get confused. And so that reaching out for help and actually saying, okay, if I'm going to take a class, what is I need to take from this class? Not the entire class, like what is it they're trying to teach me and what is it I have to learn to be efficient with my time? So more than you asked for, but it was, that's kind of how evolved and how I was able to figure things out was just to depart from what everybody told me to do and just figure out what worked for me. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you have metacognition clearly, and I don't know if that was innate or you nurtured that because you had to cope and figure things out. So you asked yourself, what is it that I need to get out of this class? What is it that I need to learn? And then it sounds like another strategy for you was reading the first sentence of the paragraph. So you didn't have to read the whole paragraph, but you were ascertaining what was in it just by the first sentence. And it was part of my special education background, I worked with dyslexic students. And one thing that I know helped some of them was reading out loud because if they heard it, it didn't make sense to them. Doi, they knew that wasn't a word. So when they read it out loud to themselves, they said, oh, no, 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 that has to be boy. Now, I know that can be embarrassing in front of a classroom. So very often they would do that in private or you know, in a separate location. So are those some of the strategies that you use as well? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. That's where I would say my bigger challenge is the dyslexia over the ADD, but this is where the ADD kind of comes in because having to slow down and do that and the impatience, I didn't, I, I just wouldn't do it because it was, it was too slow. It was too frustrating. And, you know, I'd, I'd be bouncing off the walls at that point in time. So you know, it's kind of funny to this day, I really don't read in public. It's, it was funny on my uh, podcast in the early years, how many times I watched bios. I would sit there and read them like for 30 minutes before they got on. Now we kind of do it. And, wow. Uh, there was a period of time Kirsten Milliken was my co-host and she was like, I'll take care of the bio for you. And even now I got somebody else that does it for me. But, and, and I can, I can read, but like, I don't, I don't read in insurance contracts or legal documents because each word matters, but I was like skimming stuff back in college, which is the way you kind of read websites now. And what I've learned is kind of, it's kind of funny because I was doing an interview years ago with Dr. Russell Barkley talking about ADHD as a gift or a curse. And we got into this conversation about my dyslexia. And it's funny because it's not a gift, my dyslexia is, but it has made forced me to do things in a way that are unorthodox just to survive. And so it's kind of like one of those things that it isn't a gift, but the challenge I've had to rise to the occasion and do other things. And so when I figure these other things out and how to skim and read, I've learned how to listen for the gist of things, kind of what's not being said, which is really helpful in coaching. Like I said, I'm going to say it's a gift, but I've developed it over time as a coping mechanism to deal with some stuff. And as a result of it, I hear and listen and see things differently from everybody else because I've kind of listened at a different level. So sure. going back to your original question, no, I didn't read out loud, although it probably would have helped because of the frustration, but I've just done things a little bit differently to kind of figure stuff out. When you take notes from coaching afterwards to remember what your clients are saying, are you doing voice to text? So that's what's kind of funny. My notes, I write really fast and I, I kind of know what they are. Like if I get off the phone 
Now, 10 minutes after it's over with, I couldn't tell you what the notes are. So I, I have a service called copytalk.com and I dictate. And the cool thing about it, it's not dictation software. There's actually a human being transcribing it on the other end. Wow. And then they email it to me. And the cool thing about that is if I say the number, like number two, it's the, the software does, maybe it's bullet number two or N-U-M-B-E-T-R-R, whatever, but a human being intuitively knows what it is. So literally when I am get off a coaching call, it's a non-negotiable. I immediately dictate, I hit a speed dial button, dictate my notes. And then it's transcribed and sent to me by email. And then I print it off and skim it before, like a couple of seconds before the next person comes to kind of refresh my mind of what's going on. But that that dictation software has really helped me because it, I don't really dictate things organized. It's just a stream of consciousness. And again, I look at the my notes are like buzzwords or buzz pictures for me to remember part of the conversation. I get it down and that's been invaluable to me. Something I use like with clients, but just in everyday life. I love that. So I'm sure those people who are listening now, for those of you out there who have ADHD, very often it's more common than you think that dyslexia comes with it. It's yes. working in the same um, hemisphere of the brain. And, you know, it's not just letter reversals. So it is, you know, a reading disorder of fluency. And, you know, I'm not reading the definition directly, but you might want to look it up. These tools that Jeff is sharing, reading one sentence of a paragraph or, you know, dictating to a human being we're going to put that in the show notes for sure so other people can use that service as well. I've never heard of dictating to a human. Yeah, a little plug for them. If anybody signs up, please put me in as a referral. But it's it's a little different now, but I pay, I think, $85 a month. I can dictate for four minutes all you can eat. Let's say hypothetically that you post something on YouTube that I think is really, really clever. I could actually maybe like read and dictate a quote and what happens is it's transcribed and it shows up in my inbox and I can drag and drop it or like I'm just driving down the road, okay, get eggs. Or for me, like every once in a while, I'll have a show idea. Like when I'm walking, I just call and I just dictate a stream of consciousness of what that idea is. I've offloaded, captured it, shows up in my inbox. And again, <clears throat> the cool part is it's for me, I use it all the time for $85. I can dictate four minutes, you know, thousand times a month if I need to. It's uh, it's really kind of cool service. Wow. Now, before I knew I had ADHD, I was seeing a therapist and she had dyslexia. She's a very smart lady. And she told me that she would write in script. Now, I know that they're not really teaching script in school anymore, but for her letter reversal and her being able to write or write note, the script helped her think with her brain mm -hmm. because obviously the letter fluency is different with script than in uh, just regular writing. Have you considered or ever tried doing that? I found that I have to print. I have to print. Have to print. It's okay. yep. It, it for whatever reason that has just worked for me. I think I was kind of rushing over the cursive type stuff at some point in time. And for me, like in school, I would print everything out, but then I would go back because I'm a bigger picture thinker. I would go back and extrapolate messages and rewrite my notes. And, and that environment. and I still kind of do that. Like if I'm trying to learn something or I've got a new concept, I'll write and kind of rewrite it. That process kind of helps me kind of digest that information and put it together in a in a way that's logical for my brain. I struggle with remembering details. I have to understand the concept. If I understand the concept, I can work my way through and solve the problem. 
like school's difficult for me because they give you all the details and you have to assemble the picture. I'm better if somebody walks in and says, you know, this is what the picture looks like. And then I work my way backwards. So it's. Uh, yeah. So instructions are destructions for you. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So learning for me is really intense. Usually I got to walk up to the teacher and say, you know, this is not going to be pleasant for either one of us, but it, don't take don't take this personally. I hope you have thick skin, but I have difficulty, but I also think differently and I digest information. I'm usually letting them know in advance and kind of apologizing. And then it's over with, you know, I always go and thank them. It's just something I've learned about myself over the years. And I, my way of digesting information is my way, just no getting around it. And so I've learned to accept it again, help everybody realize that when I'm getting frustrated, it's not at them. It's just, I'm frustrated with myself. Don't take it personally type of thing. Mm. So it sounds like you're a really good self-advocate and you have been for a long time. There's a quote that I ran into a while ago that I love. All the answers to everything are hidden in plain sight. They're hidden behind assumptions, expectations, and misconceptions. So I've learned over the years, like even when I'm coaching, is let's understand your behavior, but let's understand it through the executive function of lens. And usually I can explain the legitimate reason why you do it everything. Like people with ADHD, they'll come in, I'm disorganized and I'll like BS. I've never been able to not prove that you have a system. You have one. It just doesn't look like what you think it is. And when we go through that system, I can explain the cognitive reason why they do it that way. So that being said, I always spend more time like What's my natural way? I study my behavior and study what's easy and try to build the world for me to step into around that as opposed to changing the way I do things. I found that very successful in my life and it's kind of my way that I deal with on a coaching level. I think that's great. So I become a big advocate for myself because I just stick with what works. Why not? I mean, if we're yes. going to focus on our weaknesses, then we're going to be stressed, depressed and feel less than. So yes. everyone- should be focusing on what works and not trying to fit into a world that doesn't yep. work for them. I was interviewed yesterday from a Forbes contributor and she asked me, do you think that people with ADHD, if their boss does not accept their ADHD, should stay in their role? I was like, run. You know, if <laughs> you have the money and the savings and and you're stressed, run and figure out something else. No wonder why we're so many of us are entrepreneurs. The challenge, our world is changing really quickly right now. Years ago, you could find a job and say it, but if your job is ADD on Friday, you got to get out of the job or you got to make some adjustments. You can't stay there because it's it'll it will take you out, not only from just financial perspective, but your self-esteem will go down. ADHD is an issue of self-regulation. It takes a lot of effort to go through your day. If you've got something that's making it a thousand times worse, it'll, it'll take everything you got. So you have to advocate for yourself. It's there's To me, there's no other way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would be one of the number one success tips that you would leave this audience with for someone who is struggling with ADHD and dyslexia? So it's a concept, not a tip. And that is you can go to webinars, you can go to conferences, and you can read the books. There, there's a certain amount of, of knowledge that you can gain from that. But at the end of the day, it's about observe your natural instinctive behavior and problem solve. And I say the word problem solve, you know, we didn't like word problems when we were growing up because you had to read a bunch of garbage and you had to identify the relevant variables and then you had to put them in some type of order to solve the problem. But 
tips and tricks are like the Pythagorean theorem. The equation works on the right triangle, but only on that particular equation. And so the idea is you learn all that stuff, but it's really about self-awareness and problem solving. Quit letting everybody else, like figure out what works for you. Don't wait for people to tell you what the solution is. I love that. And with ADHD, very often our intuition is right. It's just a matter of trusting it. So I appreciate you giving everyone who's listening the permission to trust your gut. Yes. And if people want to find you, Jeff, where can they find you? (laughs) My website is dig, like digaholecoaching.com. If you go there, you can actually, you can find my podcasts, my uh, blogs, my video channel, everything is just go there and you can access, it'll take you wherever you need to go. It's a little bit overwhelming. It's like a thousand pages on it right now. I, I worry about the day I have to revamp it, but, uh, hit the main side and everything you could look for is there. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know time is precious and being unsuccessful with ADHD and helping so many people. I know that you have over a million views on or listens, I should say, on Attention Talk Radio. So I know how much of an impact you're making on the ADHD community. So I appreciate you and I appreciate your time today. Thanks for everything you do. You're doing a great job to get the word out there. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Successful with ADHD. I hope it helps you on your journey. And if you need any additional support for you or a loved one with ADHD, feel free to reach out to us at coachingwithbrooke.com and all social media platforms at Coaching with Brooke. And remember, it's Brooke with an E. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.